Well, good morning, Gretna. It's Pastor Rob. I pray that the Lord is watching over you today and that you feel his presence, that you sense his peace in the midst of, you know, whatever you're going through right now, uh, that you sense his joy and you are reminded that you are beautifully and wonderfully made and that he loves you beyond anything you could possibly imagine. Our next series, the one we're starting today, is called How to Study the Bible. And, you know, on the surface, that if you've been a Christian for a very long time and you've read the Bible many, many times, you know, I can hear people saying, well, you know, okay, I understand how to read the Bible. And I'd say, okay, great. Just, I would encourage you that that we are always, by nature as Christians, we should always be in a place where we are learning. We are learning and growing and developing a grander understanding of an infinite God. You know, there's always something to pursue with him. If you're somebody who says, well, you know, I've read the Bible. I read it through all the way through once. I read it all the way through one year. Well, except for Leviticus, I really, I really couldn't handle Leviticus, so I just kind of skimmed it or skipped over it because who likes to read Leviticus? Or if you're somebody who's not yet really got into the Bible because you don't know where to start, right? Maybe you're a new Christian or just trying to understand who God is. You don't know where to start. You don't know what version you should read. Uh, maybe you tried to start several times and you had a false start and kind of fell asleep in, as you were reading or just lost interest in it and got sidetracked by life. You know, I really believe that God's holy scripture is the source of life. It is the source of, of everything we know about who our God is and what he desires for us and for the world. And so I, I do think that going through scripture, reading it, discerning it, chewing on it, we can pick out all kinds of terms for digging ourselves into what God's call is on us, on our lives, and for the world is critical to what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And over the next four weeks, you know, the goal here is simple. It's to equip us with perspective and tools to discern God's word. And so the method we're going to use is something called the SOAP method. It stands for four things, scripture, observation, application, and prayer. Scripture, we're going to challenge ourselves this week especially to ask how do we approach the word the value we place in it, and, and how we understand it matters. It matters to us, and it matters to the world around us. Next week, we're going to get into observation, kind of nuts and bolts, how to discern what God is telling us as we peruse his scripture, as we, as we discern it, as we read it, as we chew on it, as I said before, as we really dig in, what is he really trying to say? And then application in the third week, that's the A, how to bring it into our lives and asking ourselves, you know, what does this mean to me right here, right now? What is God telling us in this time period to do with this information? And finally, the P in SOAP is prayer. Uh, and it's, its role, the role of prayer in putting our understanding of God's word into action God's way. This week, as I said, we're going to talk about scripture. And, and scripture is, is one of those things that I really think we need to, to stop. And, and before we even open the book, remind ourselves that the word of God is unlike anything else you will ever read. It is 
not a novel that you go through once and you understand the entirety of the story and and everything about it and that you maybe go through a time or two again throughout your life to catch a few details here and there um, to steal a phrase from the cartoon Shrek the scriptures are kind of like an onion it has so many layers and layers that are designed to be opened at various times in our lives when we are ready to hear the message that it has for us. Charles Wesley, when he has a quote about the Bible and its source, where the Bible came from and how we should approach it differently than we approach any other text, he says this. He says, the Bible must be the invention of either good men or angels, bad men or devils, or of God. And then he goes on, he says, it could not be the invention of good men or angels, for they neither would or could make a book and tell lies all the time they were writing it, saying, thus saith the Lord, when it was really their own invention. It could not be the invention of bad men or devils, for they would not make a book which commands all duty and forbids all sin and condemns their souls to hell and to all eternity. And therefore, I draw this conclusion that the Bible must be given by divine inspiration. That term, divine inspiration, the notion that, that the text is God-breathed, we'll read that here in just a second, that it is God-breathed, that it comes forth from the very mouth of God. Now, does that mean that God physically sat down and wrote down every word? No, it does not. What it means is he used something called plenary inspiration. What that means is he spoke directly to the spirits of those who were writing these words. And though we hear the personalities and the situations within the word, we hear that of, of the person actually writing it down. We hear, when as Isaiah writes down, we hear the situations he is going through. We hear the emotions that he has. But understand this, God determined which words were written and how they were written. He approved of every bit and piece, every letter that's in our Bible. 2 Timothy 3, 14 through 17 says this, it says, but as for you, continue to do what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know that from infancy, you have known the sacred scriptures. There's the scriptures, the Bible. That would have been, in this case, the Old Testament, right? Which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. That phrase, divine inspiration, John Piper says it this way. He says, the Bible has so much to give and what it has to give can only be found in the Bible itself. It is unique in its character and unique in its purpose. And before we sit down and read the scripture, before we try to discern what God has to say through that, we have to first stop and recognize that it is God speaking. This is God's story and our place in that story is a key part of it, but at the end of the day, it is still God's story, and he's the one telling it. He is the one speaking. There are a number of writers I enjoy reading. Um, C.S. Lewis, I love, enjoy, I enjoy reading his writing, and, and I enjoy reading Timothy Keller, and I enjoy reading N.T. Wright, and I enjoy reading, and the list can go on and on and on and on of people I love to read. 
but, and I'm a Bible nerd, so most of the people I love to read are theologians, but at the end of the day, none of those sources, none of those people are God. And so we read those other texts trying to discern knowledge, trying to gain knowledge. But the, the point of studying the Bible is not only to gain knowledge, but to experience the very character of God, to experience his words, his thoughts, his feelings, and his desires for us in the midst of his text. He is present there. His spirit is present there. His spirit was present in its writing, and his spirit was present in, in our discernment of it. And I think that's important. It's important that it's not, we, we understand that it is divinely inspired. It's not just any other book. It is not something that we should be able to say in our lifetimes as followers of Christ that we read once and we've got it all. Honestly, it's not true. Uh, there are people who have spent their entire lifetimes, in fact, in fact, we've spent thousands of years studying the scriptures and we still disagree. Theologians disagree across the board about some things. Some of them are minor, some of them are, are, are pretty major, but we disagree about a few things. And that's not because God's word is broken or false. It's because we are not nearly as smart as we think we are. And God is, is constantly revealing his character. Remember, infinite God revealing himself. It should be a pursuit that's going to take a lifetime. And his scriptures, as the primary source for our understanding of who he is, will also take a lifetime. We also see in the scriptures that, that he makes known his divine purpose, which is, is to make his son known. That is the, the very point, right? He walks us through the time of what it means to be a human being from the beginning of creation on where we, we are first in a perfect, wonderful, incredible relationship with the Lord in the Garden of Eden. And then, then there's the fall where we make a mistake, right? We, we drop the ball, we sin for the very first time and we and we lose that connection that relationship with with him that we had we had from the very beginning and then it is ultimately restored restored through the sacrifice the death burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ who paid the price for our sins once and for all there is a divine purpose in the, in the text and as we read it we have to be very careful to to remember that to remember that as we read individual stories or individual books, those all play a role in really the greatest story ever told. The divine purpose of, of making his son known and the redemption of all humanity, all those who would follow him. It's also focused on divine transformation, on, on teaching us to transform into Christ likeness to move toward Jesus to be the people he is calling us to be and before we sit down and, and and try to discern what the Bible is telling us it's important that we ask ourselves this am I willing to be transformed am I willing to be trained it begins with obedience and that's a really hard thing for us to understand that any other book you read there's not a necessity here to sit down and say, what are you telling me about how I need to change my life? The Bible itself is. Its purpose is found, in our lives at least, its purpose is found by saying, look, God, what is it you have to say and how can I be your servant? How can I move 
toward you. It begins with obedience. Are you willing, you and I, willing to do what it calls us to do? Are we willing to set aside the sins that it describes or the things that it, that it brings to our attention and move toward God instead? Soren Kierkegaard said this. He said, the Bible, for all of our difficulties understanding it, he says, the Bible is very easy to understand. But we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. Ouch. We, we pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. Where our hearts lie, our openness to God's will in our lives, where our hearts lie determines whether or not we see God in the scriptures or we, or we see a reflection of ourselves and we call it God trying to, having a proper understanding of how to approach the scriptures as something that is intended to change the way I think, that is intended to change the way I feel, and ultimately intended to change the way I act, and allowing it to be that, is critical if we want to understand what it's trying to say. We have to enter the conversation with God with an open heart and an open mind, and allowing him to do what he intended to do with those scriptures. But it's also important that we understand how much we value, how we value the scripture matters, not just how we approach it, but how we value it. Is it as important to us as air? Is it as important to us as food? Remember, this is God's very breath, the breath of life, the same breath that he used to put life into humanity right? To breathe this little pile of dust in Genesis to life. It was his breath that brought it to life. And it's that same breath that gives us the scriptures. And so that is the source of spiritual life. It is the source of peace, the source of strength, the source of our eternity is God's breath. And God's breath is represented in that word. N.T. Wright says it this way. He says, the Bible is the book of my life. It is the book I live with, the book I live by, and the book I want to die by. Spurgeon says this. He says, nobody ever outgrows scripture. The book widens and deepens with our years. The scriptures are intended to bring us light in the darkness. In fact, they are our only source of light in the darkness. The truth is, if we, we try, to, try to wander around the world without that, our spirit will constantly stub, stumble. We will stub our toes. <laughs> we will hurt ourselves. We will fall <laughs> over and over and over and over again over all of the obstacles that we're not seeing, including the ones we put in our own way. The Bible itself, the scriptures itself, are not intended to be something that we approach you know, once a week out of obligation. That we come toward the feet of God in times of desperation, right? When things are horribly ugly, we sit at the feet of God and say, okay, tell me, I'm going to read now. I'm going to randomly open to a scripture and you just tell me, you know what? Yes, can it do that? It can be that for you at some points in time, but it is not going to give you the value it is intended to give if that's the only time you or I crack open the scriptures. It's intended to be the very source of our lives. It is intended to be something that we cannot live without as a follower of Jesus Christ. That means daily. That means multiple times a day. 
That means picking out pieces of scripture, reading in the morning and writing down a verse. This is an example, reading in the morning and writing down a verse and keeping that verse with us all day and reciting it, remembering it, encouraging ourselves to live by it, to ask ourselves, what is God trying to teach me about himself and about what he desires for me and, and, and discerning every bit and piece of what it could possibly mean in this time, in this place for me right now, knowing that when I read it again in 10 years, it may mean something completely, completely at another level, right? It may add a whole other layer to my understanding, but right here, right now, what is it telling me? How we value it. Do we need it as badly as we need air or need food or need love or need anything else we could possibly think of? How we value his word matters. And finally, how we process it matters. There is a, a part of our processing of, of the Lord's word is personal study, to be sure. Right? I've talked a lot about that in the, in the last 15, 20 minutes, about the, the need to spend time with God, right? to make it a habit, to make it part of what you do, to approach it as God's holy word. Those are all very personal concepts, personal ideas, this personal study. You know, in 1462, when the printing press was invented, man, that took the capacity of people, individuals like you and me, to study the Holy Scriptures personally to a place that could only have been dreamt of before that. It's really one of the greatest communication shifts in all of human history, where the Word of God or any other word doesn't have to be discerned by others and then relayed to you. It's something you can invest in in yourself and you absolutely should just as I should. We all should invest in that. But we also must understand that the word of God has always been since the dawn of time also been conveyed effectively and appropriately and accurately through a process of group discernment. As brethren, uh, we come from what's called an Anabaptist background. It's, and the Anabaptists were known, they were known for assuming beyond a shadow of a doubt that interpretation of scripture was meant to be communal. It's consistent with what Paul did when Paul wrote most of the New Testament, most of what we read in the New Testament after the book of Acts, and in fact, we could probably argue the book of Acts itself, is are really letters. They are, story, they are letters written from one person to another or one church to another or a person to a church. And generally speaking, again, pre-printing press, right? These things are printed once or written once, and they are generally read aloud. They are read aloud before the entire body as they consider what it might mean and discuss what it might mean. You hear my train outside? <laughs> I'm not going to stop recording now. <laughs> so they are meant to hear the word of God as much as see the word of God. It was a process of the ancient Jews, especially in the time of the Pharisees, to stand in the synagogue and read the word of God daily to everyone who would come to listen. There's something powerful about that communal interpretation, about you and I sitting together and wrestling over what a text might mean, bringing 
our history to the table, bringing the word of God, the spirit of God, seething through each and every one of us who are followers of Jesus Christ to the table and trying to discern together what the call is on our lives, what it means, where it should take us, how we should apply it, what we should do with it for the sake of the world. And so if you're studying by yourself, if you're not engaging others in a discussion, I had a discussion, a great discussion this week with someone in our church about the gift of tongues, what that means or doesn't mean. And this person has asked, she said, many people from from different Christian backgrounds, different tribes, what that means, what that looks like, what the experience is. And you know what? I think that is incredible. I think that is incredible because this person has, has desired to understand what it is and engage the body of Christ in trying to understand it. The truth is the Word of God has so many different layers to it that there's no way that my, my eyes alone are going to see all of them. And so there's a critical piece to communal interpretation. So what does that look like? That means join a Bible study, start a Bible study. And you say, Rob, start a Bible study. I don't know enough to start a Bible study. Remember what I just said. We're, we're discerning the word of God together and we are discerning the word of God over a lifetime. Over a lifetime. If, if there was a litmus test for do I know enough to teach every teach people about everything about the Bible, the truth is all of us would fail it. All of us would fail it. Does that mean we just willy-nilly start teaching things without understanding, uh, any understanding at all? No, that's not what it means. But it certainly does recognize that in all humility, none of us knows everything. And that starting a Bible study or leading a Bible study is really just about being someone who's courageous enough to step out there and say, you know what, we need to do this and I'm willing to take some of the coordinating responsibilities. That's it. That's it. Because we are intended to discern the word of God together. So I would encourage you, if, if all of your study is alone, to try to find ways to engage with others. Right now, especially during COVID with social distancing and stuff, engaging in, in Zoom meetings. I see them pop up all over the place. Engaging in online discussions. I see them happen all the time. I would encourage you to find, if you're in a church right now, if you're connected with a church, to find people within that church who are willing to, to talk with you, who are willing to study with you, regardless of what that is. We have a, a number of studies here at the church that I, I think are incredibly beneficial, but I would love to see so many more. And I would encourage you to take that step because I think how we approach the Bible and how we value it and how we process it, all of those things matter in helping us understand who our God is. So if you've got the notes that, that we uh, put, on, put in the app, you can absolutely fill all those things in. But down at the bottom, it says, my commitment this week is. And so my hope is that you will write that down. Not for me, but for your own sake, that you will write down, this is my commitment. Maybe I'm going to start a journal. And if you have the notes in the app, there's a simple link to a journal page you could print up and use. Um, I just grabbed it off the internet, right? You could start a study. If you want to start a study or you're willing to start a study here at Gretna, just let me know. Give me a call. Shoot me a text. Fire me an email. And 
I will happily connect people who want to get together and study the Word. If you want to join a study, as I said, there are a number going on. We would love to have you involved. Would love to do some more online stuff. And yeah, some one-on-one stuff we've been doing too. My hope, again, in all of this series is to equip us, to give us perspective and the tools to reach into the Word of God, to allow it to transform who we are. And my prayer is that by the end of it, you will be as excited about it as I am. Blessings to you. Have a wonderful day.